Should we go electric? I think we should go electrified with Toyota. Electrified? Electrified means options. So electrified looks different for everyone. Yup, and with more options for reducing carbon emissions, Toyota is electrified diversified. Learn more about our Beyond Zero vision for the future at toyota.com slash beyond zero. Hello. Hi, Catherine. So, historic stock market crash yesterday because people were afraid of this second wave of the virus mm-hmm. as things reopen. Mm-hmm. Well, it was hilarious in a really sick way. You know, the news alerts are like, tons of people are dying. There's uh, all sorts of institutional failure all over, are all around us. Um, people are being murdered by the police. Uh, people who are speaking out against murder by the police are being abused by the police. And the S&P is up X percent. Yeah. Yeah. And it was like day after day, it was that. And it was so, it was dystopian. It had a real, real dystopian vibe. Like the the profiteers were totally confident that the profiteering would continue despite um, these horrors. Right. No, no. I mean, that's that's Jermaine. Like, I think it's really just starting to settle in on those people. The, the, the idea that there was going to be a bad phase, but then we're going to do this reopening and we're going to get for, to phase two in three weeks. And then in, yep. in another three weeks, we'll be at phase three and everything's going to yep. continue that way. And every industry is going to find a new way to reopen and we'll be fine, you know. Um, and it's all of a sudden like just hitting that that's not that's not the case. Yeah. The rates are going to continue to be steady and probably increase with reopening. And we are going to have this virus around for a very long time. Right. And they, and there was, uh, you know, a projection from somewhere, I forget, that, that we're going to reach 200,000 deaths by September in the U.S. Yeah. That, that's a rough extrapolation from a highly trusted model, which still, you know, it's a broad range. But when people talk about a second wave, it sort of, it makes me worry that we've just accepted the current loss of between 800 and 1,000 lives a day, and mm-hmm. that this isn't a wave anymore or something, um, just because it is slightly lower than it used to be. Mm-hmm. But we're reopening. So anyway, uh, I just think that language is kind of important right now. Just in terms Yeah, of just to be aware that we, this isn't a second wave. This is all the same wave. Right. It's not like we got it under control and loosened up and then now it's coming back. We never got it under control. Yeah. And yesterday, Florida broke its record for number of new coronavirus cases in a single day. Mm-hmm. And they've reop- they They were one of the earliest to reopen, right? Y- yeah. And um, there are really interesting ethical decisions going into reopening it all, but then continuing to do it in the face of increasing numbers. And at what point you need to pull back? We should talk about this more, but one of the things that is going to uh, open in Florida, we recently learned, is the NBA. The NBA. Yeah, National Basketball Association. Right, like um, How many basket? baskets is a, basket. a winner? Slam dunk. No, I played basketball when I was a child. Oh, yeah, that's right. I forgot. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, I was tall at 12. When did you stop playing? Well, it's kind of a long story. Like some sports you could social distance, but not basketball. Oh, when you're playing? Yeah, I mean, the players are obviously uh, a concern. And 
interesting questions there about whether if you're making millions of dollars, you should be willing to incur a health risk as we do in professional football um, with brain injury. But this... Are they going to wear masks? Uh, well, I don't know all the details of it. So I am not able to explain how these decisions were made or exactly what the NBA will look like. But I think it is a sort of bellwether for this process of totally reinventing the way sports are played and watched. And so I would like to know more about how those decisions are made and what this is going to look like. And so we are going to talk to Joel Anderson. Joel Anderson used to cover sports for ESPN, and he's now a staff writer at Slate and co-host of the podcast Hang Up and Listen. It's about sports. I know that he is an expert on Big and Tupac because he uh, hosted the last season of Slow Burn. Slow Burn, a popular podcast. A popular podcast. Oh. Hey. Hey. Thank you for making time for yeah, this. And, yeah. Uh, oh, no, my pleasure. Thanks for having me on. <laughs> um, I was just telling Jim about how I aspired to play basketball, but then I was deemed not good enough. Didn't I was tall, pass. but not physically gifted in any way. No. So, anyway, I have an appreciation from childhood for the sport, but don't know any of the details around the sort of politics and business of it. Oh, man. Well, I mean, you know, theoretically, that's why I'm here to help with that. Uh, although I, I, I'm not a basketball expert, and I haven't played basketball in uh, any competitive capacity, you know, like on a team or anything since, what, ninth grade? So, um, oh, so you and I, we tapped out at about the same time. I, I, I played Casual. football and track instead. And ah, okay. My high school had probably the best high school basketball team in the state my senior year. Mm. And so it was just a really bad bit of timing on my part to have gone to school <laughs> there. It's important <laughs> to choose small ponds. Um, mm -hmm. Absolutely. So that you can be the biggest <laughs> fish is something I've learned. Um, so you're not a basketball expert per se, but you have covered uh, the NBA's recent moves. Uh, the last game that was played in the NBA was March 11th, right as the WHO declared a pandemic. Yeah. So, I mean, obviously, you know, that was that surreal moment on March 11th, right? Where, you know, it doesn't like with a, a span of a few hours, the whole world changed on us, you know? I remember. Yeah. Yeah. It was crazy. I mean, like we found out Tom and Rita Hanks had tested positive for coronavirus Flights to from Europe to the U.S. were suspended. And then we saw that footage in Oklahoma City of all these players being frantically waved off the court because um, they were suspending a game, which is something that, you know, as a fan of the NBA, I'd never seen that before in my life. When, I remember when they were like, basketball is canceled. Yeah. No, <laughs> it was it, like, it, oh, my God, this is a yeah, real thing. Absolutely. It, that's when it really seemed like we were, it, it like resonated that we were on the precipice of something bad. It, the NBA is taking this serious. If they're going to call off games, it, you know, suspend the season, then obviously this is something to reckon with. You know, back in March and even into April, there was real concern that the NBA wasn't going to come back, you know, at least this season, because there were so many hurdles to clear. The testing capacity was a concern. It wasn't clear that the players wanted to return under certain circumstances. Mm -hmm. And even the commissioner, Adam Silver, said something to the effect of it's about the data and not the date. And back in March and April, we did not have as much data as we have now, right? 
But it was inevitable as things started going along that we were going to get some basketball, right? The, the players started clamoring for it. The broadcast partners obviously wanted to do it. And then as it became clear, the testing capacity wouldn't be a problem. They were able to move forward. So, Oh, I remember that too. Like everybody at the beginning, everybody was like, wait, how are all of these people getting testing when we are supposedly have no testing? Yeah. I mean, well, the NBA, I mean, the good thing about it is that, you know, all the owners are billionaires. They have access to these companies and corporations and people, you know, academic centers and all these other things where they're able to get these tests in ways that even even local governments aren't able to, right? And so they were able to marshal a lot of resources uh, in ways that, you know, trusted American institutions couldn't. So once they got some assurances around testing capacity, it was just sort of a matter of, okay, when are we going to make this happen? And so here we are, you know, the NBA is going to open training camp you know, July 9th, as far as we know for right now. They're doing that in their hometowns, where they normally are from, and then they're going to go all to Orlando? No, the training camps are even going to take place in Orlando. They're going oh. to start moving down that direction. I mean, they're trying to get people you know, into a central location as soon as possible. So even before training camp start, these teams are going to be down there and they're going to stagger their arrivals, right? But um, they're still, they're going to do these training camps down there all together at the same time over the course of a few days. Oh uh, I think it's July 9th through July 11th. They were like, what is the state uh, that's going to have the worst pandemic numbers around that time? And it's <laughs> super hot to be in in the summer. Um, <laughs> And the right. economy is contingent on Disney World, which will be closed. Um, let's choose Orlando. No, how, <laughs> what did go into Orlando? Um, well, so it helps that there's a pre-existing relationship. Um, it obviously helps that Disney is the league's biggest customer. Disney pays like $1.4 billion a year to broadcast games on ESPN and ABC. Um, and it helped, I mean, a lot of players already live down there. You know, Orlando's sunny family friendly and has no state income tax. So there's a lot of these relationships that are already sort of built in there that made Orlando, you know, one of the primary candidates at first and then sort of sensed it for them. And then think about this. I mean, you know, the political atmosphere in Florida is run by a governor who's much more welcoming of business and getting things back to normal right now. And they've already had a number of live sporting events there, you know, NASCAR, UFC, WWE, I mean, in Florida right now, NASCAR is already planning to allow fans to attend races. So, I mean, that sort of gives you, like, they're way ahead of everybody. Florida is just, you know, full steam ahead. And so that made it easier for the NBA to go there. Are there going to be fans at NBA games? No. But as teams get eliminated, as we get deeper into the postseason, then family members will be allowed. And supposedly there's going to be, like, three per player. Um, oh, so I don't you might know. have to choose between your family members. Yeah, right. I mean, I, you know, I imagine somebody like LeBron James. Probably this is not some immutable law for somebody like him. Um, but, oh man, but but that that's a, that's the working plan as it is right now. Okay, so they're going to be playing to an a mostly empty stadium. It, mm -hmm. Is the energy you think it's going to feel similar? Is it going to be sort of like feel like practice, low energy, low stakes? So I remember when this all got started, um, even before the NBA had suspended the operations, 
Before then, they asked LeBron James and said, well, hey, you know, there's a potential that they could stage these games without fans. And he was like, hell no, I'm not playing without fans. I've played with fans since I was in high school. Why would I start playing without fans now? Because there's a pandemic, LeBron. Yeah, right. Exactly. So, I mean, obviously, this is unprecedented. There's no way to know. Um, obviously, they practice all the time without fans there. And, you know, um, they're you might argue that some teams play before no fans all the time, like, you know, like the Atlanta Hawks or somebody, right? Like, but they, <laughs> you know, they wow, sounds they, like somebody's they, anti-Atlanta. I I love Atlanta, but they got to be uh, they got to be real about their fans. Um, but but yeah, so I mean, you know, it is going to be weird. And from what I understand, they're talking about possibly pumping in crowd noise. Oh um, no! Or, so so there there are a whole bunch of alternatives that are they're banding about right now like that's one of those things that are still to be determined they could do a sad trombone when someone misses a free throw <laughs> yeah that would be great Catherine would dig that maybe she'd even watch <laughs> if a t-shirt cannon goes off in an empty stadium does it make a sound that's a good quick question. i don't do the t-shirt cannons even make sounds in full stadiums that's a good question yeah see i don't know i've never been around one close enough to one so uh i think you got me man i was just trying to be smart Um, (laughs) so okay what do we have here in terms of contingency for um the inevitable which is people will get the virus and then they'll be rubbing their sweaty faces uh (laughs) right up against the backs shoulders and potentially other faces of other players what's the plan when someone gets a positive test? Well, I mean, at a minimum, we know that the league has made it clear that things are going to move along, even if a couple players come down with coronavirus. So they're still obviously iron out details and they're just, you know, they're trying to figure out like what's going to happen. But we do know what happens is if a player tests positive, they'll have to quarantine, you know, per everybody else in the world. Um, and if a player leaves the campus, they're going to also have to quarantine too. So that's one of the, you know, <laughs> wait a minute. What, they can't yeah. leave the campus. They can't leave. They are stuck at Disney world. Yeah. Well, they can. It's a nightmare. This is an absolute nightmare. Wait. So the teams are staying in Disney world hotels. That is still being worked out, but they're going to stay in at least one Disney world hotel. Okay. Um, and do yeah. they get to go into the theme park that's empty? That is another one of those details that they're still working out. Um, probably not. The parks are still closed, although I'm just a little confused on that, and I have to be honest about it, because there have been reports that the park was going to open up in mid-July, mid-July. Okay. The players will be there then. So, you know, <laughs> I'm sure that it's going to be open on a limited and restricted basis like everything else, but um, it's just really hard to, you know, keep a bunch of young, wealthy men you know, locked in this one bubble for months at a time. Yeah, especially can't even get out and, like, ride the teacups. Yeah, I mean, right. I mean, I understand LeBron likes that. And not to mention, some people could come in and be like, come, you can ride the the teacups at Disney World with LeBron James. I mean, I think that would be a selling (laughs) point for everyone. You might even get the virus. Um, (laughs) Sorry. From LeBron, though. Yeah, from LeBron. Which would be awesome. You would sign it. Um, (laughs) No, this is kind of a... Gallo's humor here. Obviously, I'm a medical professional and I'm concerned about the logistics of this because you're right. Like, you have to be reasonable about what you're asking people to do for a long period. Here, people are being paid a lot of money to stay in their hotel and this is their work, right? 
Um, right. And right. Th- their job could fire them for putting everyone else in the league at risk if they break the bubble, right? Right, right. And, and you know, putting everyone else at risk, you know, hurting their team's chances. Um, there's a lot of incentive for them to not break the rules, but it's not, it goes without saying that it is going to be very, very difficult for them to not want to leave the bubble, to not break the rules. So, um, but yeah, the stakes are very high. You'd think that'd be incentive enough to stick around and surely there'll be enough entertainment. And yeah. they, I mean, they're also going to have a very grueling schedule too. They're going to be playing games about every other day. Uh, there'll likely be occasions where there are days where they play back to back. There's not going to be a lot of free time um, while they're down there. Hmm. H- how long are they staying? So just yesterday I saw there was reported that 14 of the 22 teams will be eliminated within 53 days of arrival. So almost two months. Right. And that only four teams will be there after two months. So, um, oh. you know, we're talking. Yeah. So wow. it's going to be a very compressed schedule. Although two months is too much does seem, you know, like, I mean, that is a long time to be stuck in one place. Oh, right. Especially but, Florida. Yeah. Right. And Orlando. Right. So, um, <laughs> Yeah, so it, it, there's going to be a, it is going to be a very compressed schedule, and very quickly a lot of people will be leaving uh, after it's over. So okay, I come at things f- from a medical and health lens. Uh, my default from that perspective is clearly to be like, this is a bad idea. We just should not do this. But I also fully understand that you know sports are an important part of the social fabric and bonding and community and culture and people need some semblances of things like that right now in our lives a lot so do you think this is a good idea no um i i I mean first of all it's just going to require an unprecedented amount of work and a tight and uncertain time frame to just stage these games right um i think people think they want this but I think it's going to change once they see it. And, um, you know, we don't know what these players are going to look like, what condition they're in. They, it's not going to be a continuation of the season that was suspended. This is basically a whole new season. So, you know, the idea that, like, we're going to get any closure on any of on anything that happened prior to March, like, that's just not possible because this is so weird. Um, and also, I think that, yeah, I think people are really alighting the the health risk here we do, there's so much about this disease that we don't know and we don't know how it will affect players today we don't know how it'll affect them 20 years down the line huh. um there are also coaches that are there that are you know elderly for lack of a better term my favorite team the houston rockets um you know their coach is 69 years old what happens if he gets coronavirus what if he dies you know um that's that's a concern that I just think that people are sort of pushing past right now. They're like, well, they'll be able to figure it out, but we just don't. There's too much uncertain to play games just for the sake of games. Um, so I, I, I know that I'm probably an anomaly in this in like the sports world. Are you? I don't have a good barometer on what the gen are people saying this is silly and it's going to set a bad example where people are going to be on TV, you know, pressing their bodies up in each other's faces while breathing really hard and that's just a dangerous thing we shouldn't be doing it right now or people saying like they're doing the best they can and we we need sports or else men have nothing to talk about (laughs) right it does help right yeah it's right yeah we have nothing else going on right but i no, i i do think that 
there's probably more of it. It's probably more in the middle. But I, I know that even among my colleagues that talk about sports that I'm like very cynical about this. And I just don't think it's a great idea. And also, I just remember the, where we were in March, where the NBA calling off games, you know, that was a big deal. And it said something to society. It was like, oh, even they're willing to forfeit billions of dollars, all this attention for the greater good, right? Um, yeah. And now we're still in the middle of a pandemic. And I think you said something, I don't know if you said this on Twitter, Jim, or you said this on a podcast, whatever, we talk about how there is no second wave, like we're just still going through this. And so just like the NBA signal that this was something to be reckoned with back in March, it might be sending another signal to society by returning to court that we're telling ourselves that, oh, we're through this now. Or like, well, this is this is what the other, so- other side of it looks like when that's not what's going on at all, let alone in Florida. So Yeah. Huh. Well, one last question for you, Joel. I mean, what you're talking about is like sort of the symbolic power of sports, like, mm-hmm. or the mm-hmm. psychic cultural power of sports. And that's something that, I don't know, I've just never been like innately compelled by like professional sports but i would like to be more into sports what what are sports for and what does it mean to not have them oh man that's a really deep question um (laughs) you know i don't i think at a, at a baseline, sports are a distraction, right? That, um, you know, it's just another form of entertainment, like watching movies or being in TV or video games or whatever, right? But obviously, in American society, we, you know, inflated to much more than that. You know, we're, I, I don't want to talk out of school, but I believe that we're one of the only or one of the few countries in the world where our higher education systems like sponsor like sports in the way that we do, you know, that's right. Like, it is incredibly essential to sort of the way we think about ourselves. It seems. Yeah, absolutely. And, 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 and when sports are happening, like we tell ourselves that it, it at least here, it, it seems that we talk about, Oh, it, it means so much more that because sports demand discipline and unity and perseverance and sacrifice that, you know, that says something about us as a society that we care about it and that we can rally around it within these communities, which is BS. I mean, yes. It's, yes. <laughs> I mean I've, I've played enough sports and played for enough, you know, people that I don't respect and who I, who I don't think have a lot of those qualities. And I know that it's nonsense. Right. Right. But these are things that we tell ourselves. And so that's why we, there's just this huge push to get it back. And man, I just I saw on Twitter the other day. Um, this high school in Arlington, this Arlington Market High School, mm-hmm. and they're already holding workouts. There's 600 kids out for football. on the field at this football. Yeah, for football. Yeah. And I'm just like, what the hell are we doing, man? There, I mean, yeah. there's no way that we, we lack the capacity. We lack the resources to assure that everybody's going to be safe. All those kids are going to go home and be around their parents. Yeah. Right. It's, but it's like football, especially in Texas, is so deep yeah. to identity. Yeah. If all of the sort of morality play <laughs> parts of it are bullshit, is it a problem not to have them? It's a huge money-making venture in this country, right? Billions of dollars go into it. And it provides a lot of jobs. You just go to any municipality in this country, and they, they've they likely shelled out hundreds of millions of dollars in subsidies for these sports, right? And so as they become big business, we've told ourselves all these lies about how important they are. But really, I mean, they're just, they're a lot of damn money. And 
we, we depend on them in a lot of ways. And I mean, uh, yeah, then there's the other, the more abstract stuff um, about what we talk about American society that, oh, people rally around this and it really means something. And, right, know, right. It like brings us together. Strong. Yeah. Yeah. Uh-huh. Um, yeah. I just think that like, there's a lot of money invested in this and that the people that have the most to gain and a lot of money to gain that they keep telling us these things and people believe it. People up in the, the skyboxes, right? Mm -hmm. the billionaires you talked about who have a lot to lose if a season doesn't happen in some way. Yeah. And they can continue to live in their sealed off chambers and watch everybody else mix down on the court. They can watch everybody else take the chances that they're not willing to take themselves. Yeah. Wow. Well, that's a metaphor for all of our (laughs) society. Is it not? Um, (laughs) Thank you for calling that out. Catherine, that makes it so much more artful. (laughs) Well, thank you so much, Joel. This was, yeah, I, thank I learned you so a much. lot. This is super interesting. Oh, no, thanks for having me on. It was a lot of fun. Everybody should listen to Slow Burn. Oh, thank you. Totally. Thank you for saying that. And in season four, which is which just came out uh, the other day. So, Well, I hope you're doing okay. I hope you're yeah. you're surviving the pandemic okay. I, I am. I'm, I'm fine. You know, I, I actually, I think I had it in April. Um, I was knocked down for a while and I had all the, I had all the, the random symptoms like COVID toes. Um, COVID toes. I had COVID toes. I read that article. <laughs> Can you talk to us about what that was like? Oh my God. <laughs> yeah. Well, it was just, I, I, I'll say this is that, um, you know, I work out, you know, about five, six days a week. And I remember my toes were bothering the hell out of me. And I was like, oh, they're, they're red and purple and there's splotches on there. And, and a couple of them itch. And uh, I just thought that my shoes were bad. I was, oh, I was like, is it already time to change my workout shoes? And so, yeah, so then that that was going on. Huh. And then uh, I ended up getting like a couple of weird welts on my torso, just, just randomly, just, yeah. you know. And then one day me and my wife were sitting in here eating buffalo wings. And I asked her, I said, hey, does this taste like Lysol to you? You definitely had it. Uh, yeah. <laughs> and I lost my I lost my appetite. I lost. Yeah, I didn't. Even after that, it was pretty much my appetite went off a cliff. Um, yeah, I am not allowed to bet. But if I was, you know, I put everything that I have that you, you did have it. I lost 15 pounds in April. Okay, so. you definitely well, had it. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty weird. Um, so. Oh, wow. Um, well, so you know how it can affect a, a, a person who works out six days a week and knock you down like that. And, like, in this period where people are kind of taking it for granted, is some like, that we just got to live with, It is a good time to remember this is a serious disease. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I've never been sicker in in my lifetime. So, yeah, please, yeah. people, it's not a hoax. <laughs> yeah. Man, I'm glad you're well. Yep. Yeah, totally. thank y'all. I hope, I hope y'all stay safe too, man. Be careful. You guys are doing great work. Take care, Joel. All right, y'all. All right, y'all thank take care. you. Talk to you later. We're going to wrap up today, but bef- before we wrap up, I just want to um, say that a, that a listener called in with a bit of a correction for you. Um, oh. We had a little incident the other day where I didn't know how to pronounce the word kerfuffle. I thought it was kerfluffle, which by the way, I'm not the only one who thinks it's kerfluffle. So it's one of those things, you know? So you're partly right. Yeah. In that episode, you said that it came from the French kerfluffle. Kerfluffle. Right. So we have a, we have a, uh, some feedback from a listener 
named Bob from Cambridge. Hi, um, I have a, one comment. Um, my name is Bob. I live in Cambridge, Massachusetts. And uh, a little correction, and I'm not trying to be a stickler here, but the last episode with Cam I Sing, they were talking about Kerfuffle, uh, Kerfuffle, and, uh, and James said that it was uh, from the French Kerfuffle. It's actually from uh, Scotland. It's Scotch, Scottish Gaelic. And Okar uh, means wrong or awkward, and Fuffle means um, become disheveled, disheveled. So it's not French. It's not kerfuffle, but it is, as the Scottish would say, kerfuffle. Anyway, enjoy the show. Bye-bye. What do you have to say for yourself? I'm so sorry. But that's I, I, I really appreciate when people know the origins of words, and I am going to use fuffle now uh, in isolation. <laughs> I'm a bit fuffled right now. You're fuffled? Yes. By being called out for spreading misinformation? Yeah, I just never... I don't know. You're so fuffled you can't even speak. Uh, So I'll do the credits for us. Alvin Mellis is producing the show today. You can write us at socialdistance at theatlantic.com. You can also call us, as Bob did, at 202-642-6487. Just know that if you leave a message, we might play it on the show. Bob said it was okay. Um... If you want to support the show and you're in a position to do that, you can uh, do that with a subscription. You can get access to all of the Atlantic's journalism with a subscription. The uh, place to go to do that is theatlantic.com slash support us. All right. So we'll do more ethical conversations next week. Yeah, that sounds good. Okay. Have a good weekend, Catherine. Go shoot okay. some hoops. All right. Relive your glory I don't days. know where, but yeah. All right. Talk to you later. Bye. So, should we go electric? I think we should go electrified with Toyota. Electrified? Electrified means options. Yes, we could go all electric with a Toyota BZ4X, but then there are hybrids like Grand Highlander. Or we could do something in between like a RAV4 plug-in hybrid. So, Toyota is electrified diversified? Yep, and with more options for reducing carbon emissions, the closer we all get to Toyota's Beyond Zero vision for the future. Exactly how much coffee have you had this morning? Learn more about our Beyond Zero vision for the future at toyota.com slash beyondzero.